Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 44 of the podcast. And today we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers 2021 Sunday Night Football Primetime debut. It's their week three matchup versus the hated Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about which offense are we going to get on Sunday. Can the running backs be effective versus Green Bay's defense? How are the Niners going to limit the Aaron Rodgers home run play? George Kittle's Sunday night football career success. And will we finally see more of Trey Lance? Joining us today, he covers the 49ers for all 49ers SI that is on Sports Illustrated. He's the host of the Faithful Fan Podcast. You may know him as Niners Nick. He's a good friend. It's Nick Newman. Nick, welcome to the show. And Nick, I think it's important to start out where I think the bigger picture here is. It's Niners versus Packers. Aaron Rodgers trade talks happened this offseason. Seems to be some new reports kind of coming out today. Mike Silver reported that there might not be bad blood, but there might be some contention between Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. Uh, it's funny because Shanahan talks about, like, I was just doing my due diligence. But it seems like LaFleur may have taken the call for Aaron Rodgers a little more personally. Uh, do you think LaFleur is kind of coming into this game saying, look, like, I want to utterly destroy you, Kyle Shanahan, for how good you've been and for kind of the fool you've made me look the past few years. Definitely. I think that's got to be LaFleur's mindset going back to the point you just touched on right now about how foolish Kyle Shanahan has made the whole Packers team look over the years. That 2019 NFC championship game, no one's going to forget Raheem Mostert running all over the Packers and just the great game that Kyle Shanahan called. And the Packers were just so defenseless that game. Jimmy Garoppolo, the ball was obviously kept out of his hands during that specific game, you knew what was coming. You knew it was going to be an outside zone to Raheem Mostert. There were going to be a couple jet sweeps to Debo Samuel, and the Packers could absolutely do nothing about it. And I'm sure LaFleur is still salty about that. We're talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation, him requesting a trade, or there was a speculation a trade may occur this offseason. And you got to give Kyle Shanahan a credit. You can't give him a hard time about doing his due diligence and John Lynch doing his due diligence this is one of the best quarterbacks of my lifetime, one of the best quarterbacks recently to come out, you know, coming from Cal Berkeley, local kid, went to Butte Community College. So the fit felt right, and you can't fault Kyle Shanahan for that. But to go back to LaFleur's mindset, he's going to want to give it to the 49ers. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I don't expect that to happen by any means. I think the 49ers on paper are still better than this Packers squad. But yeah, I'm sure LaFleur's salty and Shanahan. It's going to be a fun matchup anytime these two guys go at it, for sure. Why well, no, I'm excited. And like most NFL games and what seems like almost every single Niner game, uh, the games are decided in the trenches. It's O-line versus D-line, D-line versus O-line. And I do believe, at least in this instance, it does favor San Francisco. I'm sure mo usually it does. Bosa, Ford, Armstead, those guys. But I want to talk about the Niners starting defensive line versus Green Bay's starting offensive line. And Green Bay's not going to have David Bakhtiari playing left tackle. They may not even have Elton Jenkins, who is replacing Bakhtiari at left tackle. Again, he has an ankle injury. And the Packers offensive line, without Bakhtiari last week, they did play pretty well against Detroit. Only six pressures allowed. But the Niners have Armstead, who is second in the NFL with 15 pressures. They have Nick Bosa back, who already has one-third of his sack total from 2019. Like, the Niners' defensive line looks like it is back to form. I, I understand 
Detroit, Philadelphia, not, not the best offensive lines, granted better in Philadelphia than it is in Detroit, but because of Green Bay's struggles, because of the injuries they've had on the offensive line, should we expect a more aggressive approach from Demeco Ryans this Sunday with the defensive line? I think so. And another factor here that we have to weigh out is Levi's is going to be rocking Sunday night. I'm going to be in attendance. I know that the uh, the fan base and the atmosphere at Levi Stadium is going to be electric. And whenever you play in an electric environment like that, playing in the trenches, it's hard to hear the snap counts. You know, you're worried about starting too early, getting called for a false start. So a lot goes into playing in these big games where you have to find a way to just kind of deal with the noise and play consistently and cohesive as a group. So I think D'Amico Ryan is going to exploit that. He's going to work. I'd expect to see more aggressiveness from D'Amico Ryan's. And on top of that solid, um, the four down linemen that are going to be rushing, you know, ideally Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa D four. Then you kind of mix in with some of those other guys, DJ Jones, who had a good game last week, made some plays, Javon Kinlaw, the defensive line. I'm really excited to see how they go up against this, Packers offensive line and I'm sure they're going to do a great job just like we saw in Detroit and you know last week against Philadelphia whenever you play against excuse me whenever you play against a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts it's not as easy to put up the sack numbers because they're elusive they're able to escape the pocket so yeah I'm excited to see what the 49ers are going to do defensively I expect to see some blitzes from Kayvon Williams out of the slot a couple from Fred Warner coming up the gut on some delayed blitz so it's going to be fun and I really think that the 49ers are going to be able to uh, put up some sacks and hit Aaron Rodgers very similarly to how they did in the regular season matchup in 2019 where he there was the fumble early on and I think on their first offensive drive and the 49ers took over in Packers territory right away. If I remember that game correctly, which I'm pretty sure is how it went down. The 49ers scored early off a turnover. So it's not going to be a fun night from Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I feel pretty confident about that. We saw the Niners' defense, and granted, in Detroit, injuries happen. There's kind of some sort of a panic button hit for in that fourth quarter. But there was some sort of a decline in play in that fourth quarter due to injuries, due to that concern. But in Philadelphia, they came out strong. They played great defense, probably saved that game for the Niners' offense. But it's week three. They're 2-0. and Many people think they're kind of one of the worst 2-0 teams out there because of the injuries they have, the limited offense they've had against Philadelphia. I don't know if I agree with that. But do you think this is a statement game for the Niners' defense, that defensive line? They've kind of destroyed Green Bay's defense, or offense, excuse me, the last two times they played them, at least when they're healthy in 2019. But they have to make a statement here. They have to, well, maybe not prove to people they should be 3-0 or they should be atop of the NFC West, but prove to the NFL that, hey, look, what happened in 2020 was a fluke. We're going to go in there. We're going to beat Aaron Rodgers at Levi Stadium. Prove we are still one of the dominant teams in the NFC. Like, should we expect a kind of statement game from San Francisco on Sunday? I don't necessarily think that's their mindset. If anybody thinks otherwise that the 49ers aren't legit contenders and 2019 was an outlier and they're more like the team that we saw last season that just battled injuries, they're just foolish. They're mistaken. I know, or I'm pretty sure this team knows how good that they are, and they're just going to go out there and handle their business. And it's not necessarily making a statement to the rest of the NFL, I would say, um, because they know how good they are. They could care less about what anybody else thinks of them. Remember, in 2019, it took until what? What game? They were pretenders up until they had a couple big wins down the stretch. 
just time and time again, you heard that word pretender being thrown out. And looking around at some of these 2-0 and teams, the Carolina Panthers are greater pretenders than the 49ers. The Broncos are greater pretenders than the 49ers. And there's a couple other teams out there, the Raiders, that are 2-0. and uh, so they deserve to be 2-0. They they had a favorable schedule, don't get me wrong. They did beat the Detroit Lions, who were one of the worst teams, especially defensively last year. They beat the Eagles, who had a very high draft pick. So this definitely could be a statement game. It could be. I just don't think that's the mindset. It may happen, but I don't think they're going to go out there and say, we have to prove this to the NFL that we're for real, because they know how good they are. They know on paper they're better than the Packers, that they're better on paper than pretty much every team in the NFC outside of the Rams and the Buccaneers. And there's just some debate there. You can make strong arguments that the 49ers may even be deeper than some of those teams. Of course, they lost Verrett, which is a huge injury. They lost Raheem Mostert. But I like these guys that they have filling in. We'll see what happens at running back because they're really thin there right now. But I love Lenore. Hopefully, Emmanuel Mosley comes back this week. So I'm excited to see this matchup. I'm excited to see this matchup. They're going to play for each other. They're going to go out there, take care of business. And I just, I don't think it's with the intent of let's prove it to the NFL. Cause like I said, they know that they can do this. I think the one thing Levi stadium can't wait for, and that's a Nick Bosa sack on Sunday. Once Nick Bosa gets that first sack in front of the home crowd against Aaron Rodgers, that place is going to light up. And I mean, we've seen it so many times already, but it still feels nice to see Nick Bosa out there getting Aaron Rodgers on the ground. Um, but I want to focus on the rushing defense and playing a mobile quarterback week two. Detroit kind of did run against them pretty well week one. There has kind of been some struggles in certain areas, but Javon Kinlaw came back last week, aided that run defense pretty well. But running backs really haven't had the success since week one. Miles Sanders didn't do much last week. It was pretty much Jalen Hurts show in Philadelphia. Uh, but the Niners are giving up the fourth most yards per carry at five. That's not great. Uh, they're also giving up the fourth most rushes over 20 yards. They're allowing the most. Uh, they're also allowing first downs on 30% of their rushing attempts. Those aren't good numbers. Now, stats sometimes they lie. We know that the game is played for a reason. But on the other side, Green Bay's only averaging three yards per carry. They have no rushes over 20 yards. Their longest rush is nine yards. And if I'm San Francisco, I'm liking my chances of eliminating the run against Green Bay and trying to kind of limit Green Bay's offense to only one avenue of success on Sunday. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. They've improved dramatically already. Going back to week one, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, they were running wild, especially up the gut. And you see what happened last week. Miles Sanders and Gainswell, they cannot get anything going on the ground. I believe they averaged around 3.5, 3.6 yards per carry. And the reason why the yards per attempt was higher in that Philadelphia game is because you got Jalen Hurts averaging like 8.5, 8.6 yards per carry. So that's why there was a little inflation there. But as far as um, going up against the Packers, where Aaron Rodgers is not a threat to run, he's not a mobile quarterback. Aaron Jones is a fantastic every down running back in the NFL. But um, yeah, I think I'm full on in agreement with you. I am. There's one way that the Packers can win this game, and it's not going to be on the ground and having long sustained drives where, you know, they're picking up three yards, three yards, four yards to get a first down sort of a thing. It's going to be in Aaron Rodgers' hands. And he had a good game Sunday or excuse me, Monday night against the Lions. Um, and that's their one avenue. You touched on it already. Their one avenue to win this game is to have Aaron Rodgers win a shootout. The 49ers are going to put up points. It's just about controlling and limiting the big play between 
Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and those other threats that they have that can catch the ball downfield. It's definitely going to be one way, one avenue for the Packers to to um, win this game, and it's by throwing the football. Well, let's talk about the passing defense for a second because uh, the the Niners passing defense took a big hit week one, Verrett out for the season. That hurts. Uh, Mosley, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Like, it's still up in the air. And we could be going into Sunday with uh, Demo Lenore and Josh Norman still playing corner. And I do feel confident in those two, the way they played last week. They played great. Um, besides some PI penalties and one big play, like, they have looked pretty steady at cornerback for San Francisco this season. Uh, Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart played great last week, limited big plays, kept the play in front of them. Like, they deserve all the credit in the world. But... The Niners haven't faced an offense with Aaron Rodgers yet. They haven't faced Devontae Adams. They haven't faced Robert Tunyon. They haven't faced Aaron Jones yet. And like Adams, 13 receptions, 177 yards. Tunyon, 5 receptions, 60 yards, 1 TD. Aaron Jones, 8 receptions, 3 touchdowns. Like there's weapons all over this offense, at least in the passing game. But I want to start with who should be tasked with guarding arguably the best route running receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams. If it were up to me, I would put Diamador Lenore on him throughout the entire game. That's not how the 49ers, have, their defense has typically done things in the past. Even this season, you know, the corners kind of stick to their side of the field. So you'll see Josh Norman lined up against Adams, which is not a favorable matchup. I didn't think that Norman played a bad game. He looked pretty spry for being as old as he is, you know, approaching his mid-30s, approaching the 35 number. He looked pretty spry last week, and I was surprised with how he was able to move around on the field. The two uh, pass interference calls that were on him were questionable and he was in good position. So I'm really not too worried about Josh Norman. I say it's not a favorable matchup just because we've seen in the past Devonte Adams just be able to exploit not just older cornerbacks, but pretty much any cornerback. And I'm more confident in Diamador Lenore to be able to kind of hold his own against Adams. And people say, oh, well, Lenore hasn't really gone up against anybody yet. He was taking his first live reps as an NFL football player against Tyree Kill in the preseason and did a pretty damn good job. So I love Diamador Lenore. I would love him to shadow Devontae Adams all game. I doubt we'll see that, but I'm really looking forward to that matchup. Well, let's stick with Lenore for a second. Been targeted 11 times, only allowed four receptions, a 36.4 comp percentage. Take off that 91-yard big play against Philadelphia, only 20 yards allowed. The depth of target, 18 and a half yards. Pass rating is 74.4. I mean, he has been, by all means, kind of a lockdown corner at least two weeks into the season for San Francisco, minus that one big play. But unfortunately, we can't just look past that one big play. It happened. You have to address it. And Green Bay does have potential to hit those home run plays. You mentioned it earlier. Adams, Jones, Tungan, they can hit you for a big play pretty much at any time, especially with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time playing quarterback back there on Sunday. In 2020, this Green Bay offense was tied for first with plays over 40. They were ninth with plays over 20 yards. Like, this Green Bay offense knows how to hit you big when it matters. The Niners this year, they have allowed eight plays over 20 yards, two plays over 40, one of them being that 91-yard play. So do you think that home run play on Sunday could be something Green Bay looks out for? Are they going to kind of just go at the Niners secondary, test them early to see what they're made of in prime time. It could be. And going back to the 91-yard catch that Diamond Lenore, just think about the situation there where it was very unconventional 
know, the Packers, I mean, excuse me, the Eagles had the ball pinned deep in their own territory. They were at what, the three yard line. So it was very uncharacteristic to take a shot right there. And the 49ers have done such a fantastic job for the last several seasons limiting the big play. And it's largely because of how sound Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tardar. I've been very critical of Jimmy Ward unfairly in the past because he doesn't put up the gaudy interception numbers. But between him and Tart, they are both safe and sound. I keep using that term because they are sure tacklers. They don't get beat deep very often. And that one specific play with Lenore, what I saw watching the game live and then going back and kind of watching it a second time is when was he was when he was beat by was it Kez Watkins? I want to say maybe it was Kez Watkins. Um it was all a go route and Lenora when he tried to pick up his speed to be able to go stride for stride with the receiver he kind of lost his balance a little bit and stumbled and that created the separation right there and you know I'm not worried about that being a continuous thing with Lenore like I said he stumbled and going back to the touchdown that he saved against Jalen Rager where he used the sideline as an extra defender was so pressed and uptight against Rager as he was running down the sideline that he stepped out of bounds and the touchdown he caught was called back because he was just smothering him, absolutely smothering him. So I'm really, really high on Lenore. And I'm the, the big play is always a possibility when you go against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that has a rocket arm and he has receivers that can catch the ball well downfield. But the 49ers have done a great job limiting Rodgers from doing so in the past. And I would expect to see the same on Sunday. I don't think they'll get killed by the big play time and time again. They might give up one. But I don't think that it's going to really hurt them. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers so far against the Niners, at least Niners against winning Niner teams with records, 0-6. He has not beaten a Niner team with the winning record in the last six tries. I think this Sunday, I don't know if it's going to be the first one. I hope it's not. But I fully expect Rodgers to be slinging that ball out there on Sunday in prime time, taking shots against the Niners secondary. He has mismatches, whether it's Adams uh, on Lenore or Norman, like he has the mismatch where he wants it just because Devontae Adams is so freaking good. And while I do think Warner can eliminate Tanyan or Aaron Jones, Warner's that good. Like the Niners have the defense to scheme against the Packers offense by far. But we know how much Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to say has to, but certain to a certain degree he has to force feed Devontae Adams. He pretty much catches around, what, 15, he has about 15 targets per game it seems like. Do you think early Rodgers is saying, I'm going to force feed Devontae Adams and make them beat him? I would. I would. I think that would be a great game plan going in. Get your best players involved, right? Aaron Jones is a fantastic player. We've talked about his struggles on the ground. But this has to be a Devontae Adams game for the Packers if they want any chance to win. The 49ers are thin at corner. They have inexperienced corners on one side with Diamador Lenore. The other side, you have an aging Josh Norman. You have to take the time and the effort to get Devontae Adams involved early. I love when coaches scheme up plays for their best players right out of the gates, get them involved early, get them in that rhythm. It's something that I wish Kyle Shanahan would do with George Kittle a little bit. It's inexcusable for a player to hit of his caliber to go an entire football game, seeing four targets, have four receptions for 17 yards, you know? So I'm all for getting your playmakers involved early. I do think that we'll see a heavy dose of Devontae Adams targets early on and they're going to test the young corner in Lenore and the aging corner in Norman. And, and like you said, the um, quarterback, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, is going to dare the 49ers to stop it. Aaron Rodgers this year, the stats are kind of skewed because week one, they kind of said, you know what, like we want that fourth preseason game still. Let's take it against New Orleans. 
and they kind of phoned it in. They really didn't try that hard. Nothing seemed to click for them. Jameis Winston went off for a huge game, but we know what they can do. We've seen them over and over and over again know what they can do. Maybe they failed in big games, but we know what they can do week in, week out. And we saw them lose big twice in Santa Clara at Levi's. 2020, that quote-unquote revenge game really didn't feel like one for them. The Niners were hurt. They weren't healthy. Nothing seemed right in 2020. But now the Niners are healthy again, to a certain degree. Rodgers is back. They're now 1-1. One one. They like, Do you think... We talked about it being a kind of a prove-it game for the Niners' defense. Do you think Rodgers, after the whole offseason he's had, there was rumors he's going to San Francisco, we talked about it earlier, do you think this is a prove-it game for Aaron Rodgers that, look, I want to make a statement that I can still ball, I want to beat the best defense, arguably, in the NFL, I want to show that even when the Niners are healthy, I can still beat you? Typically, I would say yes. I I have concerns about Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's involved with a lot of off the field stuff. Jeopardy, for example, something or whatever game show he was trying to take on. I'm curious now, how much does he really want to further his NFL career? He doesn't have the same drive as Tom Brady. He doesn't want to keep playing for years and years and years and years like Tom Brady does. So typically, in any past season, I would say yes. I think anytime Aaron Rodgers goes up against the 49ers and the fact that they selected Alex Smith first overall and not him, he's still salty about that. I would still be salty about that, even though I've went on to have a much better career than Alex Smith and have won a Super Bowl. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. How badly does he want to convince others that he still has it? Uh, he's a fiery guy. He is. And, you know, he, he can be a little bit of a jerk to his teammates and to the media. Um, but I, I have concerns about how much Aaron Rodgers wants to continue to play the game of football. Is his passion? Does he still love the game? Does he still want to, you know, be viewed as one of the best quarterbacks? I'm sure he does to an extent, but does he really want to continuously put in all the effort to get there? You know, just looking at him in his physical presence with his long hair and just looking like he was on an episode of Lost. It's, it, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He's still a great talent. He's still a great quarterback. I'm just curious about his drive and how motivated he is to get this Packers team to a Super Bowl. That's my concern with him. Well, they're going to need him on Sunday, and I know the hair he's growing out is for a Halloween costume. I don't know what that'll be, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely an interesting way to go about it. But you mentioned the TV show Lost, and it kind of fits into what I want to talk about next, that being the offense. And the first three quarters of the season, the Niners outscored the Lions 31-10. to They outgained them 262 yards to 179 yards. The last five quarters, that being the fourth quarter in Detroit and the entire game in Philadelphia, they've been outscored 27-20. to They've been outgained 542 yards to 338. A lot of people will say, what Niners offense... Like, 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 what does the Niners' offense look like in 2021? Does it look like this dink and dunk offense where it's screen passes, or does it look like the offense we saw the first three quarters in Detroit? What offense do you believe we will see on Sunday, and can they kind of right that ship after kind of a a, a, a ground game or kind of this, this mix and match, we really can't get the ball moving game in Philadelphia? Well, the beauty about this specific game coming up is I truly have no clue, absolutely no clue what to expect on Sunday. Typically, you'd say, well, the 49ers are going to run the football. They're so injured at the position right now. Hopefully, Trey Sermon can clear concussion protocol and he can play, get the start 
on Sunday or at least see a heavy dose of playing time. If Elijah Mitchell's shoulder's okay, hopefully he can get some run. I don't know. I really don't know what to expect. It's hard to even pinpoint how the 49ers will utilize Trey Lance. I was very confused by how they used Trey Lance in the Lions game. I thought Kyle Shanahan didn't put him in in the right situations after Jimmy Garoppolo is marching. Then you just go ahead and take him out. He throws the touchdown, which is great. But there was times where he came in for those read option plays that went absolutely nowhere when he was in the game. And then there was times against the Eagles where I thought, hey, this offense could use a spark right now. This would be the time to put in Trey Lance. And we didn't see Trey Lance at all against the Eagles. And I'm fine with Jimmy Garoppolo starting. I think that Kyle Shanahan should continue to ride out the Jimmy Garoppolo wave up until the team starts losing at Garoppolo's expense because he's made a few boneheaded throws or a couple bad turnovers. So I don't even know if we're going to see Trey Lance at all against the Packers game. That could be an added element. I don't know if they're going to try to get the run game going. I'm sure they will. They will try to get the run game going. Will they stick to it? Will it be successful? I don't know. I'm sure we'll see Debo Samuel featured a lot. We'll see George Kittle featured a lot. And I don't care if it's a dink and dunk style offense as long as you're picking up yards. And I go back to last season on Sunday Night Football when Jimmy Garoppolo and crew and Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel almost single-handedly beat the Rams himself just by catching those balls, you know, when everybody makes fun of his average depth of target being negative behind the line of scrimmage. I have no problem with that sort of stuff. If it works for you, it works for you. You just got to go out there, keep those chains moving, have nice long drives, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. If the 49ers do that offensively, they will win the game. Well, let's dive into the quarterback position here. And I agree with you. I am a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. He's completed almost 71% of his passes. He's averaging almost 250 yards a game. He has two touchdowns, three with the one on the ground last week, averaging nine yards an attempt, no turnovers other than that first play of the season fumble in Detroit. Like, he has looked like a solid NFL quarterback. He's looked like Jimmy Garoppolo that was successful in 2019. And a lot of people, and like you said, the depth of the target is the issue, right? People wonder, like, we can't push the ball down the field with Jimmy Garoppolo. And one stat I found was 61% of the time, Garoppolo is throwing to wide open receivers. Now, I think that is more of kudos to Kyle Shanahan than it is a detriment to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, the way Shanahan can scheme guys open 61% of the time, I think, is... Uh, like, that shouldn't be looked at as a negative towards Garoppolo. And the pressure rate he's had is the second best in the NFL. Only pressure on 11.7% of snaps. Like, the way the Niners' offense has been flowing is... Garoppolo's not getting pressured, and he's hitting wide-open receivers. Like, I don't think... While I understand there might be concern of like the Eagles game, the first quarter, you're sitting there like, what the hell's going on? Like, why can't we why why can't we move the ball against these guys? But in two games, Jimmy Garoppolo has looked like the quarterback we all know. That before 2020, we were all behind and rooted for. And people want to talk about the DVOA where Garoppolo has a 42.1. That's fourth in the NFL amongst quarterbacks. That's ahead of Russell Wilson. That's just behind Mahomes and Stafford and Terod Taylor, who's now hurt. But then they go to the air yards again. 26 in air yards, 4.8 yards. And like you said, I don't care. If you win, like you play to win the game. And that's what's like that's what he does. He plays to win the game. The Niners offensive line looks great. They only allowed one sack all year. Zadarius Smith's not playing for Green Bay this week. The Green Bay defense is ranked 26th in the NFL. Like, if there's a game Garoppolo can utilize and push the ball down the field, shouldn't it be against Green Bay? 
I think so. I think so for sure. And, you know, going back to the whole Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I get where people are coming from that say, you know, you won't be able to survive a slow start from Jimmy Garoppolo like we saw against the Eagles, against a team that can put up points on the board in a consistent fashion. The 49ers lucked out there that the Eagles didn't put up as many points as they did when Garoppolo was struggling out of the gates. He missed a couple throws, and I get it. I get that. But at the end of the day, the 49ers won the football game. You keep moving forward with Garoppolo and try to have him just correct himself on the field and hope that he can hit some of those throws like he did in 2019 where he was on fire for a strong stretch, just making plays. The Thursday night game against the Cardinals. He did it twice against the Cardinals, honestly, where he looked really good. The comeback at home where Jeff Wilson Jr. scored the game-winning touchdown. So I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I do think we'll see him throw the ball down the field more. And I'm not concerned in what fashion. If they don't throw the ball down the field against the Packers, I'm not going to be tripping over it. You know, I just I think it's overblown the average depth of target and how Garoppolo uh, completes such a high percentage of his passes because the the length that he's throwing the football, the distance is not as far as other quarterbacks. There, there's truth behind that for sure, and it, it's facts. It, it is facts. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of irrelevant. The guy. He does what he's supposed to. He gets the job taken care of. And you could say quarterback wins isn't a stat or whatever. And there's some truth behind that as well. Football is a team sport. And, you know, it it doesn't always make sense for the quarterback to get credit for when the teams win and lose. But just look at what's happened with Kyle Shanahan when he hasn't had Jimmy Garoppolo back there. So I'm with you. I'm a fan of Garoppolo. And I, I like what he does on the football field, how he commands the offense. I think a very underrated part of his game is being able just to keep the 49ers ahead of schedule, make the right decision and keep the chains moving to have long sustained drives that keep the opposing offense off the field, tires out the defense on the field. And like I said, again, very underrated part of his game. And as long as he does that against the Packers, I really do think the 49ers will be fine. Just like Aaron Rodgers is 0-6 against the Niners when they have a winning record in his last six games, Garoppolo is 4-0 on Sunday Night Football, has 1,070 yards, 6 TDs, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 122.8. Like, going into this game, the stats, the tape, the team on paper, the team on the, like, everything favors San Francisco. And I think Sunday, I don't want to say it's going to be a mauling or, like, we're going to go out and kill them, but I do think this is a game where Niner fans should feel confident. Despite how good Green Bay can be, the Niners are already that good. And an added element could be Trey Lance. Like you mentioned, it could be Trey Lance. Shanahan said it's a game-by-game basis, kind of a play-by-play thing, how I feel. Garoppolo said Trey Lance was supposed to play against Philadelphia, but it didn't work out that way. Now, for whatever reason, that's the case. But could this be a week where we finally see, I don't want to say full-fledged Trey Lance, because Garoppolo is still the starter, probably going to play you know 90% of the snaps, but... Could he kind of like could we see maybe a big play from Trey where it kind of gets the offense going or kind of surprises Green Bay of what he does on offense? Could we see a Trent Sherfield 81 yard touchdown pass again on Sunday versus Green Bay from Trey Lance? It's definitely possible when you have a guy like Trey Lance on your roster that you just use three first round picks to move up and select. It's always a possibility. And you brought up earlier about it kind of being a play-by-play, game-by-game. Let's see what the current situation is. What's the circumstance before we throw Trey Lance in? I think that's going to continue to be the case. If Jimmy Garoppolo comes out like he did against the Lions and he looks really, really good, I don't think there's a need 
to see Trey Lance. Again, this is why I'm so confused about why Kyle Shanahan has used Trey Lance the way he has through the first two games when I didn't think he should use Trey Lance when Jimmy Garoppolo is moving the football well. In comes Trey Lance. And when Jimmy Garoppolo is struggling to move the football, when I think you should bring in Trey Lance just to provide a little spark, he does it. So I, I really don't know when or how Trey Lance would come in because right now it's very unconventional. The whole situation itself is very unconventional. But what we've seen as far as the mindset behind Shanahan and putting in Trey Lance, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I have a hard time pinpointing if Trey Lance comes in, when will it be? Will it be on a third and 15 where maybe the 49ers are behind the chains and they want to have his legs as a threat to maybe escape the pocket and pick up 15 yards or they want to use his cannon to take a deep shot downfield? Maybe that's the type of situation where Trey Lance comes in and has a big play. Um yeah, that's what makes the game so fun. It's just the element of the unknown and not knowing how Kyle Shanahan is going to utilize him. And that's another thing that the Packers are stressing over right now as they prep for this game. How on earth is Kyle Shanahan going to use Trey Lance? What do we have to prepare for? And having that element of unknown factors into the opposing defense's game plan, which makes life and game planning that much harder for them. What's funny because Green Bay's already saying this team kicked our butt when they're healthy, and now they have another weapon to use. Like what? Like, like what more can Shanahan do with this team? Uh, but Trey Lance can obviously beat you with his legs. And let's shift focus to the running backs here. We don't know who's going to be playing. Whether it's Mitchell or Sermon, we know Hasty's out. Uh, it could be Trenton Cannon back there for all we know. Like there is a lot of question marks as to who will be playing running back. On Sunday, obviously, they are hopeful it's Sermon and Mitchell because they give them probably the best chance to be successful. But we saw what Philadelphia has in a good front seven. They can stop the run pretty well. Uh, and the run game couldn't do much anything in Philadelphia, but the Packers rank 25th against the run this year. Uh, that that stinks. Like, that is awful. And even with a thin running back room where we don't know who may be running back one or even running back two... Are you still confident Kyle Shanahan can successfully scheme a run game versus Green Bay? I have no reason to believe otherwise. Kyle Shanahan's been very, very successful in every stop running the football for the most part, especially here with the 49ers, and it hasn't even really mattered who's been in uniform for him. He's find a way to get the job done. The team has done a great job of identifying undrafted free agents that they can see step in and fill these roles and have big explosive runs and consistently pick up chunk yardage. So I'm I'm really not too concerned. I don't know. The concern comes from the personnel more so than Kyle Shanahan, and it's going to be interesting to see if Kyle Shanahan can get a guy. I'm blanking on the guy's name that they just signed from the practice squad, um, the big running back that's like 6'2", 235. If guys like that can just come in out of nowhere, and we've seen it in the past and play and pick up four or five yards to carry. It's just a, a testament to Kyle Shanahan and his ability to, to scheme the ground game up and to create holes. So I have no reason to believe that Kyle Shanahan won't be able to do so. And I'm very, very curious to see how the run game fares against the Packers Sunday night. Yeah, the running back is Jaquez Patrick, 240 pounds. Like, we will see what a power running back like, like him can do possibly on Sunday, but... Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Debo Samuel made an interesting comment yesterday on 95-7 the game. He was asked, has he like has there been discussion of him taking snaps at running back? And his response was, no comment on that. 
We know he was a running back in high school and transitioned to receiver in college. Could we see if personnel maybe goes down again or there is some inconsistencies? Could we see Debo Samuel back at running back on Sunday against the Packers? Ooh, man, that's exciting. Uh, I love the thought of Debo Samuel playing running back. I love everything that he does. He had a, a rushing touchdown. I think he it was. Uh, he had so many touchdowns uh, kind of getting balls behind the line of scrimmage in 2019. I don't want to say it was the one against the Seahawks where he had the spin on the sideline week 17 and scored a touchdown. I do want to say it was the Saturday night football game against the Rams where he lined up next to Jimmy Garoppolo in the shotgun, took a handoff, and scored a touchdown. I would like to see Debo Samuel do something like that in small doses, but you can't give it to him too often out of the backfield because of his injury history. And I would prefer to kind of um, not give him too many handoffs where he's going up the gut because you have to go through so many different waves of a defense to pick up yardage. So I'd rather see him, if he is getting handoffs, have it be those jet sweeps, the end arounds, the screen game. But I wouldn't mind seeing him take a few balls uh, out of the shotgun, those run guns, um, maybe two or three times. But that is interesting, and it gets me excited because I'm a huge Debo Samuel guy. I love how he plays football. He and he's had a phenomenal year so far in the first two weeks. 15 receptions, ranked second in the NFL. He has the most receiving yards. Like He's having a career start to his 2021 season, his third season in the NFL. Uh, what do you believe has resulted in this hot start for Debo Samuel? Is it just that third-year confidence, or do you think it is this kind of a need to rely on Samuel as a number one receiver? I don't know exactly what it is. I think he's just being featured in the offense more. And this is something that he's always been capable of. We've seen it, especially his rookie season, just how impactful he can be on each and every football game. And we saw it at times last year against the Rams, I've already mentioned, where he really just took over that football game. And he battled and dealt with injuries all of last year. It started with the Jones fracture in his foot. And he, you know, he missed some time when the team was away. And in Tennessee, he hurt himself when they were training. So um, this is not necessarily surprising that Debo Samuel's off to such a strong start. I'd say what's surprising more so than anything is just how heavily he's been featured and targeted more so than the numbers that he's actually put up because this is all stuff that he's been capable of and he's proved that he's capable of. So I would say the surprise is his usage and, you know, really becoming the number one receiving threat over George Kittle, who has been the number one receiving threat for the last three, four years now, ever since his um, following his rookie season in 2018, when he set the tight end receiving yards record. So I'm not necessarily surprised with Debo. And I, I hope they continue to get him the ball downfield like they've been doing. I think it's great for him. Like that touchdown he had against the Lions where he came back to the ball, the long touchdown pass from Garoppolo, that was great to see. So I'm hoping that we continue to see Debo Samuel utilize in a similar role while also having him be a threat to catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage and just go. Well, I think one of the reasons why, and only a few more questions here for you, Nick, one of the reasons why he's needed to kind of be that receiver one and get, I think he makes up 56% of the Niners passing offense and 32% of the entire offense. He's been just incredible this year. But Brandon Ayuk, kind of a no-show so far. He had an increased snap count against Philadelphia, but people still want to know what's going on with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Kim Inman said it wasn't the hamstring. Sherfield knows the offense better than Ayuk currently. Uh, that kind of has some red flags around it, but kudos to Trent Sherfield for getting himself established early. Matt Mayoko said that uh, Ayuk may have felt that he had it all figured out entering his second season in the NFL. And again, 
that kind of goes into the arrogance of Ayuk, and maybe it's not true, maybe it is true, but again, there are questions, there are unnecessary concerns this far into his season, only second year in the NFL. Uh, where do you believe Ayuk stands in the offense, and could Sunday be his breakout game of 2021? It's funny, because I said the exact same thing about Dante Pettis forbade as Matt Mayoko of maybe Pettis going into year two thinking he had everything figured out. I wrote a whole article on it for all four Niners Sports Illustrated, my little theory behind Dante Pettis. Um, and it's interesting that they both had very strong rookie seasons, not by no means comparing the skill sets of Ayuk and Dante Pettis. I think that Brandon Ayuk is a significantly greater talent than Pettis. But it is interesting just to kind of see the theme of these receivers having strong rookie years and then maybe kind of not putting forth the same effort because they do feel like, hey, I'm an NFL receiver. I came in my rookie year and I accomplished X, Y, and Z. That can't be the mindset. And it seems like Brandon Ayuk is learning that. And I'm a lot more confident in Brandon Ayuk to be able to turn that around because he has all the physical skills that you look for in a receiver, the arm length, the catch radius, the speed, the hands. That one catch that he had this past weekend, his only catch on the season, that six-yard first down was huge. It was so clutch, so huge for him to kind of leap up and snag that ball, just snatch it out of thin air. It wasn't the best ball from Garoppolo, and Ayuk made a play. So that shows me that um, his head's still in it. He's going to see a higher dosage of usage, I would assume, moving forward. If I had a bet on it, I would say that we'll see him featured a lot more than he's been because he is a, such an extremely talented receiver, and he's going to help the 49ers way more than he hurts them. And for Sherfield, maybe Sherfield just had a completely different mindset where this was his first opportunity. Maybe he didn't have a great um, – he wasn't seen the way he was wanted to be seen in Arizona where he was used uh, primarily as a special teams player. And he just had the fire. He had the fuel. He had something to prove, whereas Ayuk – felt like he proved that he already belonged. So once he kind of cleans up that mindset, shifts his mindset and his perspective to, hey, I still got a lot of work to do, which is something he already acknowledged in a press conference. So I'm confident in Ayuk moving forward. The one thing that excites me most about this offense is we haven't seen it at full force yet. We haven't seen Trey Lance be used the way he can be used. We haven't seen Ayuk be used the way he can be used. And we really haven't seen George Kittle be used the way he can be used. Kittle and IU combined for only 10 targets this year. Not what you want out of arguably your two top receiving players on the offense, but Kittle in Sunday night football games, four games, 35 receptions, 507 yards, 126.8 yards per game, three touchdowns. If you're asking me a game where George Kittle, again, has that breakout gamer kind of reestablishes himself and takes over the receiver one role from Debo Samuel, doesn't it kind of have to be this game against Green Bay since the history lines up with everything that would kind of push it towards that factor? I think so. I think so. It's all lining up to look that way that this is going to be a George Kittle game with the questions around the ground game. Debo Samuel maybe being the Packers' primary uh, focus point. Maybe they'll stick Jair Alexander on him, a phenomenal corner, uh, just to try to limit some of the big plays that Debo Samuel um, can really help out the 49ers offense with. So George Kittle, this is going to be a Kittle game. I, I'm pretty confident in that. I have Kittle in a couple fantasy leagues, so I'd love to see a little uptick in his usage. But fantasy aside, joking uh, aside, I do think that we'll see a lot of Kittle. And like I've been advocating, or like we touched on for Don, Devontae Adams, and I'm advocating to get your best players involved early and often, I do think Kyle Shanahan should scheme up some stuff for George Kittle early on. 
Well, the Yak leaders this year, Debo Samuel, 10.6 yards, George Kittle, 10.3 yards. They rank second and third in the NFL. I think it comes down to just getting your best players the football and let them take care of business. Uh, Nick, I have one last question real quick here. Can I get a prediction for Sunday's game? Score and what will be the outcome? Score. I'm going to go with the 49ers getting a victory. It's going to be a, a high-scoring one. We'll go 31 Packers. 23 49ers cover the spread they win by eight and it's gonna well uh, the Packers will threaten to win the game they'll have a couple nice drives I, I see it a couple timely sacks maybe a turnover force fumble strip sack that's kind of how I see the game unfolding uh for the 49ers to, to be in a comfortable position for a while the Packers to kind of start chipping away at the lead towards the end and ultimately the 49ers win the game by close to double digits I love that, Nick. I have them winning 31-27, a little closer, but still at the end of the day, Niners looking like it's going to be a 3-0 start to the 2021 season. Couldn't ask for a better start. And I want to tell everybody out there, don't forget to follow Nick on Twitter, NinersNick underscore 22. And check out his work for all 49ers SI and the Faithful Fan Podcast. He does great work for all those things. Nick, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me, Sterling. I appreciate it. Anytime. It was great to have Nick on again. He does great work. And as we build up to Sunday versus the Green Bay Packers, you are not going to want to miss any update. Who's injured? Is Emmanuel Mosey going to play? Who's playing running back? What will be the status of Trey Lance's play? To get all the information like that, you're going to want to follow us on social media, Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. Again, you are not going to want to miss a thing. And as we enter in week three of the NFL season, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review on this podcast. Again, it's Packers week. I know you're excited. It's the return of fans at Levi Stadium for the first time in over a year. You're excited. I'm excited. It's the debut of the throwback 1994 red jerseys. I have my Nick Bosa one on. It's ready to go for Sunday's game. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Niners versus the Packers. Prime time football, what more could we ask for? And again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. This has been the 49ers Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. Again, thank you to Niners Nick, Nick Newman for joining the show. And until next time, stay faithful. <laughs>